BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. They are not going for it. And, and look, it's nothing against Sean Manai. He's won in double digits three times in his career. You know, last year we got to watch him make 10 starts and 27 relief appearances, and he put up a 4-4 ERA. Um, the year before, he had a 4-9-6 ERA and 28 starts and two relief appearances. I mean, we know what he is. I mean, he, he's a fifth starter that can give you four or five innings before you take him out. These are the kind of pitchers you acquire when you run the Milwaukee Brewers. That's what this is. And and that's what the Mets have become. You know, that that's what we're seeing. Now, I give them credit. They made a run at Yamamoto. They made the biggest offer by far. They were the only team to offer $325 million, and the Dodgers matched it, right. <laughs> which isn't the Mets' fault. So, look, had they signed Yamamoto, we'd be having a different discussion. But they didn't sign Yamamoto. And so here we are with Sean Manai on the mediocre Mets. I mean, look, if I'm a Mets fan, I'm disappointed. i got to be honest. And look, I understand the plan. I understand we're trying to rebuild, but $28 million for Sean Manaya, really? That, that, that's the move? I'd rather see you bring up a young kid and try to develop him. I don't need to see a four-and-a-half ERA guy in New York. And you, you don't think New York's going to uh, eat him up and swallow him and spit him out? Because I do. That's not a good fit for Sean Manaya. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I understand what they're doing. Adrian Hauser and Taylor. Okay, we're trying to be Harrison Bader, $10.5 million. Can't hit. Can run the ball down in center field. He'll be injured by opening day. Good base runner. But th- that's what we're doing now? Like, what are we doing? We're, we're improving the outfield defense. I get it. We're getting more athletic. I get it. But you're also adding mediocrity is what you're doing. You, you're not taking this team and you're not gaining ground on Atlanta or Philadelphia. In fact, you're doing quite the opposite. So, look, I, I'm not quite sure I understand outside of them pursuing Yamamoto. I'm not sure I understand what this plan has been. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, January the 7th, 2024. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me on X. Check out the new X handle, Talking Mets No G. You can also get me on your desired podcasting service, Spotify, Apple, whatever you desire. And you can get me, Mike Silva, at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G if you want to contact me directly. And don't forget the newsletter, Substack.com slash at TalkingMets, no G. 
And of course, I want to welcome in the good folks on the Fan Sided Podcasting Network for supporting this show. New year, a couple of new tweaks to the program. Welcome in. It is January 7th, but Happy New Year. It's been the first show we've had since Christmas. Hope everybody had a great holiday season. Of course, if you're a Beyond the Mic subscriber, we've been interacting. That's that little bridge between shows. So I really haven't been off the air. But if you're not a Beyond the Mic subscriber, welcome back. Really happy to uh, be back on the air and just in time, a little bit of a hot stove percolating, a little snowy day here in New York, maybe a little bit more than just a little bit of snow if you're outside of the New York area, maybe upstate or somewhere in the uh, northern part of the Northeast, so hope you're staying safe and getting out from under all that snow. Sean Manaya is a Met, so the Mets are back at it here, the... Uh, you know, post Yomamoto, I guess holiday shutdown. It seemed like the league had maybe things are going to start to move here this week. So welcome back in. And big news, a couple of big news is here. So you heard in the intro. If you're looking to follow me on X or formerly Twitter, whatever you want to call it, I tweaked it up a little bit. I want everything to match. So talking Mets no G has been kind of the thing here. And if you are looking for me on X, it's no longer at Mike Silva Media. That's an old handle. Uh, for another time in uh, media for me. So it'll be at Talking Mets No G. Uh, nothing changed. Same everything. Same following. Same everything. Just at Talking Mets No G. And if you're following me, there's nothing you have to do, of course. Also, there was a lot of feedback that I was getting about those who were subscribers to the show uh, at, you know, Beyond the Mic. And they wanted to know is there a way they could get a commercial free option? Of the show, so here's what I could do for you. Uh, every time I post a show, I post a free update to those who sign up for Beyond the Mic, the newsletter, but don't want to do the extras. They don't want to get the written content and the instant analysis. For those who pay, I'm adding another component, another value to that really good price of five dollars. I'm going to give you a commercial-free, uninterrupted chance to listen to the show. It'll be up just about the same time as the Apple version or the Spotify version. The difference is the Apple and the Spotify get broken up into two spots. The Substack one will be just one show all together. Uh, and what it'll be is if you're a subscriber and you're a paid subscriber, you'll get you know access beneath the paywall to, uh, it'll be basically just like we did with any of these instant reaction audios. You just hit it and you could do it in the Substack app, or you could do it in the email that comes to you. That's the only caveat. The commercial free won't be on Apple. It'll be just on Substack. It'll just be for those who are paid subscribers. I tried to see if I could put it in Apple, but then there'd be two podcasts, the free one and another one, and it's the same thing. It got too confusing. So basically, this is for you. If you guys want it, you could you know not listen on Apple anymore. It'll be the same exact thing. The only difference is you have to get the whole show commercial free 60 minutes and it won't be video it'll be audio and away you go so new year some new components of the show uh this whole thing is starting to come together obviously in between shows beyond the mic the writing the opinion you know things like if you're missing out and again i'm not trying to be a cheesy salesman here but we dived into the recent waiver claim of diego castillo and looked into and that's going to be coming up it was my intent was for, for it to be today but with the uh, the signing of Manaya, I changed it up a little bit, but I think Jeff McNeil in the outfield might be something uh, more realistic than we think. So there's a piece coming out at Beyond the Mic that'll probably come out Tuesday morning about Jeff McNeil in the outfield. So stay tuned for that. And of course, 
if you're a paid subscriber, you got my reaction to Harrison Bader and whatnot. Also, for everybody, everybody that is a Talking Mets fan, I announced the uh, Mets 2023 first annual Mets Player of the Year, Person of the Year, really. Not player, person of the year. Now, you all know it's for better or for worse, whoever impacted the Mets in the year of 2023. We ripped it off from Time Magazine. And it, it came down to the fans, dead heat, the hiring of David Stearns, the injury to Edwin Diaz. A distant behind that was uh, Francisco Lindor's 30-30 season, which I think before the offseason is over, I'd like to dive a little bit more into that because he had a really good season. Quietly in the midst of all the negativity and the disappointment, he had a really good season. But the fourth option and the option I picked, and it is my program, it is my show, and just like Time Magazine, you can put out opinion to the readers and to the listeners and what have you. But in the end, they make the decision, so I make the decision. So I take what you, the fans, say very seriously. Uh, because there was somewhat of a divided opinion on who should be the person of the year, the first annual Talking Mets person of the year. I went with Billy Epler for the bold trades of uh, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, which really, and it's going to set the tone for the start of today's program, uh, set the, th uh, the 2024 Mets into how David Stearns, I believe, why he's approaching this offseason and can approach this offseason in a particular way. So, Billy Epler, 2023 Person of the Year. The guy who was let go probably would have been fired. Still being investigated by MLB. No update. I think Billy Epler will go down in Mets history as a blip on the radar. An underappreciated blip because he came in here when no one else wanted the job. Uh, came in, made some bold moves, made the Mets relevant, made them nearly uh, a World Series contender. They had a really good shot in 2022. And uh, away we go. So... Billy Epler, if you, you probably heard it. If you didn't uh, uh, subscribe to Beyond the Mic, I'm telling you now, that was free for everybody, so I'm not violating any kind of paywall for those who support the show and what have you. So today, what is uh, what are we going to jump into today? New Year, uh, spring training. We could, you know, Yes, it's snowy and cold, and January is one of those months which I always say it's the, one of the worst months because even though it's my birthday month, not that you care, but it's my birthday month, another year around the sun, as they say, it's post-holiday, so there's that big letdown of the lights, the celebration, the anticipation. You know, everybody takes some time off from work, and you feel like you could finally just take a whew, take a blow. And now you're back, whether it's, you know, in your life, your job, everything. You're back to zero and zero, which in sports is good, especially if you have a disappointing season. But sometimes if, you know, you kind of burnt out and grind it out and you take some time off, now you're back at it in January, and it's cold, and it's dark, and... You still feel like there's no end to winter, which is uh, really here in the Northeast. It's so messy and sloppy and depressing at times. Uh, but spring training is not too far away. Pitchers and catchers are not too far away. I mean, pitchers and catchers are probably about five or six weeks away. So you could see the baseball season in front of you and you're further away because you're past the baseball solstice. You're further away from the end of last season. You're closer to the new season. So that's a positive. So... Um, today we're going to talk a little bit about David Stearns and this Mets team, and you heard Jim Bowden on the way in, very critical of the Mets. I think his feelings are shared by a big chunk of the fan base, the big chunk of the media. I think this is an important conversation about what the Mets are doing. Are they really trying to compete, or are we looking at another version of what Sandy Alderson had to do when he took over 
post Madoff with baseball purgatory in 2011 and 2012 with those you know, Mets teams. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then in the second part of the show, the second hour, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, and I'm, I've always been very critical of these guys. Uh, I don't listen to WFAN anymore. I don't. I haven't for years, guys. Used to pop in on Francesa towards the end of his career, but even that, when it became Francesa just showing up, collecting a paycheck, and taking phone calls, all due respect, I think, you know, listening to people rehash the same topic on the phone and Francesa or anybody arguing with them, phone calls have always been something that I've never been into. Um, I do like feedback. I do like, you know, emails and, and letters from you guys and comments. But reading them and then addressing them in the flow of a show is how I do things. With phone calls, you just don't know. You just don't know what you're going to get. It's hard to get people appointment radio now. It's an antiquated way of doing radio. So I've never been a big fan of that. And then when you are when you have a 24-7, 365 radio station, sports, it is hard to fill the time with content. So WFAN has gone the route of trolling and picking their usual topics, the Mets being one of them, trolling the fan base, agitating them, making bombastic statements to get uh, views on, the, you know, they have a new social media team that actually does a much better job than at any point in WFAN's history. A, a station that hated social media because they felt it was competition. I'll give Spike Eskin a credit. At least he's woken up to the modern media landscape, probably too late for the fan, but uh, but they don't really provide very much intellectual, thought-provoking content. However... Brandon Tierney and Salicata did a good job with Trevor Bauer in studio on Friday. I listened to it. I thought Bauer said some interesting things. I thought Tierney and Licata uh, did a nice job. I've been critical of those two. You know, I I interviewed BT when he was out in San Francisco. I, I, I you know, Brooklyn guy, always admired his pathway into media. Very disappointed about how he's kind of, he's become kind of a meathead Yankee fan on the radio. I hate to say it. I'm just going to say it like that. I think he's better than that. I think he's taken on a persona that, you know, unfortunately is what WFN is all about. Lakata, we've had a mixed history. I'm not going to get into that on the air. You know, there's some things that, uh, you know, went on there. But, uh, you know, I, I did enjoy him when he was on, when the Mets were on WOR, I think it was. I thought he did a nice job with, uh, you know, when, you know, when Pete McCarthy. That was not a bad uh, sports show when they had it, you know, when they when they when when the Mets were over there. So, uh, but anyway, uh, that's the past. That's not what you're here to listen to. So we'll get into Trevor Bauer and the possibility of the Mets getting into that. It looks like Bauer was doing his tour. And uh, look, he was flirting with the Mets and the Yankees. Make no mistake about it. If you listen to that piece with Lakata and uh, and uh, BT, he he was, um, uh, Tierney and Lakata. he was making his plea to the Mets and the Yankees. Let's put it that way. So uh, I don't know if that's an option, but... Uh, I have some opinions on that, and away you go. So here's where I'm going to start off, because um, I I have not been, and you guys know I've been on record, I've never been a fan of the modern GM who, especially when the Mets had all that pitching, DeGrom and Syndergaard and Mats and Wheeler, and the Mets were looking for a general manager post Sandy Alderson. Everybody who came in and interviewed wanted to rip that team apart. And I'm like, you know, give me someone who has the guts to say, you know, I can do both. I can rebuild a farm system and put my name to a team that could compete and win. And a lot of times, because there's some pressure with that, I've always felt that these modern GMs, uh, these Ivy League educated, these guys who are the smartest guy in the room, they take the job and they give themselves a long leash with these long-term rebuilds that never seem to end. It gives them infinite job security There's always a way to measure their success that 
justifies poor poor decisions, poor records. And and David Stearns actually mentioned this during his press conference, and I was happy to hear it. You know, baseball is not like another business. Like you can't really sell and market a long-term rebuild. Sometimes they're necessary and you're always gonna have down periods. You have to figure out a way for the fans to understand that yes, you're trying to win. The winning doesn't always look the same every year. You may not be prognosticated to be in the top five of the league. Some other years, a lot has to go right for you to even be considered for the playoffs. And there's some years where you're like, hey, you know, we think some nice things could happen, but more than likely, you know, we're going to be on the outside looking in. Um, when Stearns came on, I was afraid that we might be headed for that. But I said, you know, Cohen's a guy that knows uh, with his stature in the market, with with his checkered results with the team, I don't think he could take that that step back. Certainly, if he wants to fill that ballpark, knowing that filling that ballpark, getting the kind of Wall Street money that he wants to get in there, knowing that he wants to build this uh, area, this park, this casino around the stadium, you know, you really don't want to go into that over the next five years with uh, another version of the early 90s, post-80s Mets, or the 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014 Mets, which seemed to never, you know, just to be there. Like, there was no investment in those teams. You know, there was very little interest outside of the first couple of months of the season of those teams. You moved on to the NFL. You moved on to the NBA. You moved on to hockey pretty quickly if you were a Mets fan. So, but Stearns comes in, and, you know, I had my skepticism. You know, he falls into that category of that kind of, you know, president of baseball operations, general manager, and off the bat gets thrown the Billy Epler situation, which sucked. He goes out and fires a popular manager, popular with the fans, popular in the clubhouse. I think did an outstanding job. I think a top manager in the game fires him off the bat before he even takes the, the position as Epler fire him, which ticked me off. So I was there. He was already behind the eight ball with me. And he had a pretty good press conference, and he seemed to be engaging and affable with the media. But from the start, I have to say, David Stearns has cojones. I'm going to use that word because that's PG-13 enough, I guess, for this show. Because not only does he fire a popular manager, and then a week later gets you know a key person that I thought could have helped him with his transition in Epler, and, and someone who we thought might be key in recruiting uh, some of the Far East talent they were looking at, like Yamamoto. He pretty much outlines at the GM meetings a very inside baseball, not a teardown or a marketing plan, but hey, we're going to focus on building up the farm system, run prevention, uh, you know, finding value, being opportunistic. Basically, what Stern's outlined for us at the GM meetings and his first season in New York, coming off one of the most disappointing seasons this franchise has had, with this wealthy owner, knowing that the knives were out for the team, as they always are, and doubling down on it, where the team across town just brought in a generational hitter that, you know, after their dormancy and some of their missteps over the last couple of years, maybe awakening the sleeping giant that is always there, which is your backyard, the Yankees, for him to stick to that plan and really completely rule out the noise Look, they went after Yamamoto. You heard Bowden. And when you start to look at the market at where it is, you know, whether it be the trade market with guys like Dylan Cease, who I think is completely overrated, or pivoting to uh, a Snell, who would be a nice back page move for this franchise. Uh, 
a move that maybe a year ago they would have made and I would have supported. Um, but for him to look at it and say, hey, I have some nice bones on this team. I got some nice offensive pieces. I got Alonzo. I got McNeil. I got Lindor. I got Nimmo. Maybe Marte. I got an emerging uh, two-way uh, uh, catcher in Alvarez. And supplement that offense with defense and base running and component players so that maybe he gives Brett Beatty a chance to show that he's not a bust or maybe that Mark Vientos could be a solution here. And who knows, Acuna and Gilbert, these two pieces that, hey, Billy Epler is person of the year for those trades because he brought back what right now are two of the top prospects in the system that many, myself included, think could be a big part of 2024 and beyond for one pitcher that may be done in Scherz and another pitcher that might be close to done in Verlander. Not easy to do, which would be much harder this offseason if they had held on to him. And then, you know, he says, I got a, a, a pretty a dominant closer, maybe the, the second best closer in the game, top closer in the game, whatever. And I'm just going to find all these different component relievers because I could build a bullpen like I did in Milwaukee with guys who, you know, don't light up the baseball reference page, but do some really nice things. And if the bullpen is managed appropriately, they're put in the right position. You know, we could get the same, you know, nine outs that name relievers get. Now, I still think they need to get some more certainty there, but he's trying to do it that way. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc and then the starting rotation and you heard it with manaya and i talked about it he tried to go for the big fish the big fish wasn't an option and and now you're looking at a rotation that has Senga, who is their ace, quote-unquote. Quintana, a solid number, maybe two and a half, three. Gives you six or seven innings, two or three runs. Severino could be a top-of-the-rotation option. He hasn't been in a while, but they're betting on maybe something that they could see there. Adrian Hauser, a swing guy in the Trevor Williams mold. And then they bring in Sean Mania, who drivelines working with him, increased his velocity. Ticked up, look, if I look at his numbers, he ticked up his walks a little bit. But, you know, I had posted and we talked about him when I was going about the the plan B's to Yamamoto over at uh, Beyond the Mic. And I wasn't sure if he was a starter anymore. And I looked at him more as a five-inning guy, you know, a couple of runs. I felt like they had a lot of those guys like Buto. And I thought he profiled a lot more like Lucchese. And I was like, why do they really need him? So I was more about going after uh, Yunjin Ryu or Giolito, who would cost more. But... You know, look, this new sweeper he added, working with driveline on the velocity. The Mets have this pitching lab that they keep talking about. You know, the Mets are looking at players similar to how Tampa Bay looks at players 
and the Brewers look at players and the Astros look at players and, you know, a lot of these analytical teams, and I'll put the Dodgers in there, but the Dodgers are at a different point with their player development, and they spent a lot this offseason. They've they've used their financial might, which I believe the Mets will do again, maybe next offseason. We'll see. Long ways away on that. And the, the, the fans are finally getting, I think, a version of what this organization has needed without the extremism, without the extreme rebuild that you would have gotten post-Alderson before Brody Van Wagenen took over. And a better version of where they're at, because Billy Epler tried to do it, just spend, spend, spend at the big league level and work on the development. And, and, and you know, Cohen gets handed this $100 million tax bill. And he's like, I can't do this for 75, 77 wins, which as the cost of pitching goes up, and we talked about this over at Beyond the Mic, as the cost of pitching goes up, every decent pitcher is going to cost 20 plus million a year. I mean, Sean Manaya uh, didn't have a great year. Mets are paying him for promise, and he's getting $14 million. Frankie Montas is his shoulder issue. He's part of the shoulder issue crowd. He's getting $16 million. I mean, a good pitcher, Kyle Gibson type, league average, below league average, getting $15 million. Pitching is expensive, so you have to start developing pitchers. And, you know, I think the Mets should make another move. I think Bauer should be on their radar. I think they should look at some of the DH options like a Justin Turner and a J.D. Martinez. I think there's more spending to be had. They're already over the luxury tax. They're already going to get a $75 million tax bill. You know, maybe if things go bad, they could, and they could look at it this way, they could trade some of these guys midseason and maybe get some value, pare down the payroll, potentially, at that point. There is a chance. And, I, you know, you listen to Bowden. He's like, well, you know, why Simon Aya when, you know, you could have the kids do what they do? They're going to do that. Because you're going to need 10 pitchers. Right now, the Mets have Singa, Quintana, Severino, Hauser, and Manaya in their rotation. They have McGill and Lucchese and Buto as depth. And then they get to the kids. Vazel, Scott, Hamill, Stewart, you know, Jarvis, uh, who was awful, acquired, I think he was acquired in, in the Canna trade. Awful, but, you know, he, he's there. Um, you know, they're gonna, those guys are going to get a shot. There's going to be double headers. There's going to be injuries. Maybe, you know, Hauser doesn't perform. Maybe Severino's a bust. And and midseason, Christian Scott's really doing well. He seems to be the guy. Baseball America popped him into their top five. I've heard mixed results about Scott. We wrote about him also at Beyond the Mic. And again, I, I don't want to be a salesman. If you're not on Beyond the Mic, if you're not paying for the content, you're missing a lot because we're going to wove it into the show. But we're, you know, the deep dives, those are, those are better for writing. So... I got to give Stearns credit. He's got a lot of guts because this isn't sexy. What I'm talking about, how he built this team, how he's looking at 2024, doesn't help you with WFAN, doesn't help you with X, doesn't help you with the front of the New York Post, doesn't help you on Baseball Night in New York. You know, nobody's going to go on a talk show on WFAN and talk about Christian Scott like I did at Beyond the Mic and break in and talk to a scout about his repertoire and look at the system the way I do and try to break down what Stearns is doing and how he's trying to build a baseball team like I do because that's not uh, uh, sexy enough for a general all sports radio station. You need hot, you know what they need? They need Cohen to go out today and pound his fist on the desk and tell Stearns, you go out and sign Blake Snell. Blake Snell, who's going to get a seven year deal, going to get upwards of $35 million a year, okay, has had. Five years in between his top of the rotation performance was the worst starter the Mets faced against San Diego a couple of years ago in the wild card round and the one that they hit the best. And you're going to overpay that seven-year deal for a guy that 
reports are it's a little bit of a flake. It may not be fit for New York because that's going to make Brandon Tierney happy and make him bless off that you're not a 75-win team. That's going to make Jim Bowden say, you're in on it. Because that's exactly what Jim Duquette warned everybody about when he talked about how after they lost out on Mike Hampton and they pivoted to Kevin Apier, how maybe that's now that's what you have to do when the Wilpons are your owner and you're coming off a World Series and you're afraid of losing your job. Give Cohen credit. He gave the guy the keys to the kingdom. He gave him a five-year deal. This guy grew up a Mets fan. He knows what he's dealing with here. In a lot of ways, he's looking at Mets history and he's building the team. Look at the 99 Mets. Look at that rotation. Guys like Yoshi and Hershiser at the end of his career and Bobby Jones. And yeah, you had Al Leiter and Kenny Rogers. That wasn't a great... Al Leiter was the best of that rotation. Al had a down year. You know how they, they, they were able to win? Really good bullpen. Some names out of that bullpen that you didn't expect. Pat Mahomes, you know, not the Pat Mahomes that plays with the Chiefs now. His father. You know, Turk Wendell was an emerging reliever. Dennis Cook. Johnny Franco Benitez in that. Great defense. Great defense in the infield. Best infield ever. Now, they had a really good offense. They had Piazza. They had Olrude. But they also had guys that they acquired that you didn't expect. A guy like Cedeno having a big year. Benny Agbayani, a component player. You know, later on the following year, Jay Payne. You know, as you look at the history of Mets, success and team success, you know, I don't know if this is 2011-2012 Mets. That's baseball purgatory Mets that were just trying to figure out how to keep the payroll down and what's the best option to keep the payroll at a certain level. I think, you know, a guy like Stern's looking at how the team was in 97, 98, and then he's going to look at it midseason. And then, depending on where they are, maybe that's when you go for the gusto. Who becomes available? Is this the way I wanted things to be when 12 months ago at this time we were trying to figure out how the Mets were going to close the deal with Correa and put together this stacked team? Would I rather have two Hall of Famers at the top of the rotation? Yes, I would. But I told everybody when this came down, when Epler was the GM, that they had a small window, maybe three years. This was have been year number three. And after that, this could get ugly and they'd have to rebuild. I put that on record. I also thought 2022 might have been their best chance. But I also knew that if they went for it and tore apart and traded guys like Beatty and Alvarez or whatever they had at that point, if they could, if they could make those deals, that they could potentially be kicking that back their uh, player development part of the plan. That's why it's impossible, really, to go all in on both sides. So what Stearns is, he's all in on development, and he's in on winning, but he's going to be like, hey, let's do this the smart way. Let's do this the component-driven way. It's not like they don't have stars. Everybody's acting like this team doesn't have stars. Maybe in the starting rotation that you could make that argument, you know, because I'm not sure I'd consider a single star, but they have Alonzo and McNeil and Lindor, and, you know, I know Marte's just getting back into winter ball, but he's a really good hitter, and Nimmo. And, you know, Alvarez, he had an up-and-down year, and he had some very concerning parts to his second half. Let's be honest. Look at his second half numbers. Go to baseball reference. They're very concerning. But the guy put a tremendous amount of work into becoming a top-notch catcher, and it's a demanding position, so maybe we'll give him a little bit of a break there. And he did percolate a little bit in September. They have the one of the, you know, you could argue, you want to say hey, it's hater, but they have one of the best closers in baseball. And you don't need $3 trillion to build the bullpen. The Rays do it every year. Every year we sit on this show. Every year we sit on this show. And we complain and moan and bitch about how the hell is it that we're sitting here figuring out how to get, you know, the bridge to Diaz and all this garbage that comes up from Syracuse. And the Rays have some unknown name that's just throwing lights out and has a 1.32 ERA. 
You know why? Because they do the things that David Stearns is doing, but they don't have a media and a market that's giving them a hard time about it. They're not worried about Brandon Tierney. They're not worried about John Harper. They're not worried about the callers. They're not worried about the front of the New York Post. And neither is David Stearns. And this is a risk. Because let me tell you, if they get off to a bad start, he is going to get tortured. Mendoza is going to be the front man his first season of like, what is this team all about? He's also putting at risk one of his core offensive players that, you know, we're assuming that he's part of the future. Pete Alonso is going to say, ah, you know, do I really want to stick around here? I mean, the Cubs still flirt. Again, Heyman out there. Cubs are going to be in on uh, on uh, Pete when he's a free agent. Believe me, Boris is leaking that too. That's Boris. We know Boris and what he's doing with Heyman. We know. That's not a knock on John. It's the business. The business is the business. They've been flirting with Alonzo for, you know, forget about it. How long? They you probably could bring uh, tampering charges against them. So you got to give David Stearns a ton of credit. Do I think the Mets are all in? What does that mean? I think the Mets are in and trying to figure out what they got here and how they can put together a balanced team and have some sort of reasonable payroll because you can't have veterans up and down. You can't pay everybody. Look at Harrison Bader, defensive-minded outfielder, hits left-handed pitching, nice player. Let's see if he stays healthy. They just signed him, making $10 million a year. Everybody gets paid now. There is no way you can build a team and keep the payroll reasonable without your own player development, and they need to do that. They need Acuna to develop. They need Gilbert. Jet Williams. I mean, Mauricio is a blow with the ACL tear. We'll see, you know, next year what he's all about. And most importantly, they need to figure out if some of these pitchers make it because, honestly, it is critical because with... with Back in the rotation, league average pitchers getting paid $15 million a year. At some point, you need uh, that six years of control where if a guy is going to be a 4-5 starter, a McGill, a Peterson type, whatever, you need to be able to have those guys plug in and give you, like what McGill and Peterson gave you in 2022 when you know uh, they came out and did pretty well. Think about the 2022 Mets. They didn't have DeGrom and Scherzer for a big chunk of that season. Now, they had Chris Bassett, and thankful for that, and they had Walker and Carrasco give you good seasons. You know, when you peel the onion, some of their success was because of uh, Miami and a lot amount of starts they did against the, uh, a very bad Marlins offensive team. But they still provided you what you needed. So, you know, it's, yes, the offseason is about stars. It's about winning the offseason. Signing Blake Snell will be winning the offseason. The one criticism I could have is I think they should be deeper in on Montgomery but it looks like Jordan Montgomery wants Aaron Nola money, and I could understand that. They may be like, hey, that's a little bit too much for who he is. So they're like, pass. But remember what JB from Mets Fix said when we had him on at the beginning of the offseason. The Mets are looking at players like Manaya. They're looking at peripheral numbers like what Manaya provides, and they're taking educated bets, not just going to the market, and they're saying, let me get the cheapest guy that has the possibility of magic beans and pixie dust. They're looking at guys that legitimately have a track record, legitimately are working at their craft, and could take it to the next level. And who knows where they are? We're going to see. You could mess around in modern MLB, the tournament era. I've used this term before. You could mess around and pretty much 
be around 500 July 15th and then say, you know, I got some good bones here. Here's the one, two, three things I need. Go out, get it at the deadline and have a big August and September. 2015 and 2016, Mets did it. You have the most recent versions of this team. You don't have to go back to the 90s for it of how they were able to use eight weeks of good baseball. One, one, and one of those teams won a pennant. Now, it's not ideal. It's not how you want to play it every year. But it's how they're going to have to play it this year. Because the getting to know you phase that we talk about every year for the first, you know, 60 days of the season, it's almost like getting to know this organization again. Because we have no idea what these kids are all about. And we have a brand new president of baseball operations bringing his own people and has his own philosophies. And a brand new manager. You're truly learning, and maybe the whole season will be about getting to know the New York Mets, who this New York Mets organization is. And this, because I don't think Steve Cohen's looking to change the decks again, the chairs on the deck here again. This is who we're going to be dealing with for the next half a decade. He's going to be here for his contract. They're not going to just pull the plug after two years. If things go bad this year, there'll be a lot of heat on him. And he'll be answering a lot of questions. And how he responds and how he answers is going to go a long way to how much heat he's going to get over and over. And whether or not he'll be given the rope to actually execute his plan. Because the way he's executing his plan comes with a lot of scrutiny. It's not a New York way of doing business. And he has to stay consistent. It's easy right now. He's brand new. He's fresh. For the most part, he'll get the benefit of the doubt. He'll get a little criticism, but okay. But talk to me in, in six months. Talk to me in, at this time next year if they're coming off another 75-win season. He really believes in his process. He really believes in his plan. He proved Milwaukee always outperformed prognostications when he was running the show there. And they didn't always do it with sexy moves. The component of the, uh, 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 his repertoire, the component he's bringing here, because anybody could come here and spend money. I could go and spend money if I'm given the budget. I know who the big fish in the free agent market are. The component this team has lacked is the value, undervalued assets, the behind the inside baseball scenes things that they're trying to do. I have no idea if this lab is anything worth it. It's probably going to be more media narrative than actually what it does, but it'll help. The way they're looking at players and trying to dissect who can be a, a value and who can't is a whole other story. So what would I like to see the rest of the offseason? Whatever's left of it, the slowest moving offseason, maybe in my time covering the hot stove. Well, I like them to get serious about a DH because, you know, ultimately right now you don't know what Marte's situation is and, and, and you're looking at more of defensive component players than offensive component players that they brought in, you know, uh, with the Wendells and the Harrison Baders and, and Tyrone Taylor and so on and so forth. I'd like to see if they could get a David Robertson type in that bullpen, get someone with a track record that could back up Diaz as the closer when he's not available. And, and then at that point, away you go. I also think it'd be nice for them to get in on Trevor Bauer. We're going to talk about that after the break. And I know that that's controversial, and I know not all of you like it. I know there's an off-the-field component. But I think Trevor Bauer uh, could be had and stolen, and maybe only for a year. But I think, you know, he'd be a redemption story that coming to New York, uh, you know, he, you know, his energy, who he is, uh, you know, might become a great story, and he could be a top-of-the-rotation guy. I don't know if he's a number one, but he could be a top-of-the-rotation guy. And he talked a lot about who he is as a pitcher with uh, Tierney and Lakata on Friday. And it was interesting what he said. So, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's get into Trevor Bauer. Because we've talked about him before. I've advocated for him before. Um, this is tricky. I know this is going to annoy a lot of people. But I'm going to be as fair and balanced and take everybody's take 
good, bad, off the field, and, and really be honest and fair to this guy and to you because I'm sure there are some of you listening right now that are getting angry because clearly he's had a checkered pass and clearly he's made a lot of mistakes. So, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with more right after this. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 